Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. Now, today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 1. And the subject of today's message is faith. Now, <clears throat> faith, you might say, well, I have faith. Well, that's great, and I hope you got more than I do. But faith <coughs> is possibly the one subject in the Bible that is taken for granted, but yet, if applied and used correctly in our life, it can be the most powerful thing in our life. Now, before we get to Hebrews 11.1, 1, let's look at some scriptures in the Bible that talk about faith. Now, if you're truly a born-again child of God, there must have, there has to have been a start to your faith. For Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're out there listening and you have never been saved, there has never been a time that you were convicted of your sins and you were drawn by the person of the Holy Spirit to the true and the living God, and that you confessed the fact that you were a sinner and you placed your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I'm sorry to say, but you don't have faith. You might have a head knowledge of Jesus, but you don't. That heart has never been circumcised and salvation has never has never become fruit in your life. And I pray that there come a time there might be something said in this message today that would lead you to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there must be a start to our faith. Now, <clears throat> Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 17 tells us how we are to live. It says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So everything about our life, our, our church attendance, our finances, where we go to school, what we do with our life, as far as our occupation, who we are to marry, everything about our life, we are to apply faith to it. We are to bring it before the true and the living God and let him direct us in his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, we ask ourselves, who are the just? Well, the just are the ones that I read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Those who are truly born again, have that those who have had their sins covered by the blood of the Lamb, the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the blood being applied to our hearts, we are justified before the true and the living God. Now, the last scripture I want to share with you before we get to Hebrews 11.1 1, is also found in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and it's verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if we don't have faith, we can't please God. We cannot please God, you know, without faith. We cannot please God with church attendance. We cannot please God with how much we put in the offering plate. We cannot please God with any good deeds. For everything that we do must be prefaced by faith. But if we attempt to do anything without faith, we cannot please God.
Now, we get to Hebrews 11.1, and we ask ourselves, what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 defines faith. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, you might be scratching your head and say, well, that, that sounds like a riddle. Well, maybe it does. But if we dissect this, this verse and we, we look at the words that the writer uses here, a lot of people believe that the writer was Paul. Now, if we look at this word substance, now that word substance, a, a synonym for the word substance might be realization or reality. Now, there is a reality of our faith. And when, <clears throat> when we die or the rapture comes, if you're truly a born-again child of God, there's going to come a time that you're going to meet your Lord and Savior face-to-face. It will become a reality. For we hope to see Him one day. We hope that we come face-to-face with Him one day. We hope that we walk hand-in-hand with Him through the promised land. We hope for these things. But the substance of that hope, there is a reality to it, and we can trust in it, and we can lean on it. But then we go to the word evidence. It says, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you're, if you're truly born again, you go back to when you were saved. There was some evidence there that God had come on the scene in the person of the Holy Spirit. You couldn't touch him. You couldn't see him, but there was some evidence there that he had come on the scene. I remember when I got up from the altar, I turned and I looked at the people in the congregation, and it's like every one of those people had a light shining behind their head. They were the most beautiful congregation of people that I had ever seen in my life, and there was a love in my heart toward every person there. I could not see God. I could not touch God, but there was an evidence that He had come on the scene and He had entered into my heart. Now, as we go on through life, A lot of us can testify of addictions that we've had. Mine was dipping snuff. It had complete control over me. I tried and tried to quit several times. I could not do it. But when I finally obeyed to preach the Word of God, that addiction no longer had hold of me. It no longer had control of me. It had been broken I could not explain it. I could not touch God. I could not see God. But there was evidence in my obedience toward him, in my faith that I applied toward him, that he broke that addiction. There was evidence that God had done that. And I know other people can testify to the fact of sicknesses where the doctor told, said, there's no hope. And God comes on the scene and he heals you of that sickness. And, and, and other testimonies where God obviously came on the scene. Now, the book, the book of Hebrews, the theme of the book of Hebrews is faith is the better way. Well, why is faith the better way? Because we no longer have to depend on ourselves. We fully depend on the work of Christ. The work of Christ being he came to this earth 
the only begotten son came to this earth in the likeness of sinful man. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled God's law. He satisfied God's law. He did for us what we could not do. Then he went to the cross of Calvary. He that knew no sin became sin. He suffered and died and shed his blood for you and I so that we no longer... or to depend on ourselves. We fully depend on the work that Jesus Christ did for you and I. For see, what faith requires, it requires our full surrender. No no longer putting any faith or dependence on ourselves, but we completely put our faith and dependence on Christ. And then we ask ourselves, well, why do we need faith? Why do we need faith? Well, there's going to be times in our life that we're going to face opposition, and there's nothing we can do. We are absolutely helpless. And the only way, the only way, whatever that opposition might be, the only way that we're going to overcome that opposition is we fully trust, put all our trust, put all our dependence in the true and the living God and no trust, no dependence whatsoever in ourselves and let him provide the way of escape and lead us in his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We're all going to meet some type of opposition like that throughout our life. We really will. And for us to be able to overcome it, we need faith in the true and the living God. Now, another reason we need faith is who are we to marry? Who are we to marry? Who are we to spend the rest of our life with. You want to understand why the divorce rate is what it is? Because people truly aren't applying faith and seeking out God in who their helpmate is to be throughout their life. And therefore, it is not blessed by the Holy Spirit of God. It is not being guided by the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, it is doomed to failure because faith has not been applied on the groom's part and on the bride's part. And by the way, that one man is to marry one woman and that, that, let's go back to Genesis and let's get that straight. But see, we need to understand that who we are to marry, faith needs to be applied. We're all going to face sickness in our life. We will. And sometimes that sickness, the, we, the doctor might give us really bad news. And and whatever God's will is, whether we be healed here on this earth or whether we realize healing on the other side of Jordan uh, in, in heaven, if God decides to bring us home, we need to apply faith throughout that ordeal and fully and completely trust him. Now, another reason we need faith is in our finances. You know, if you're like me, money is an object in our life. We have to look at our finances. We have to be good stewards of how we spend the money and apply the money that God has blessed us with in our life. But in, in, in applying our finances throughout our life, we need to be able to bring it before God by faith and let Him lead us in how we are to use our finances, how we are to use the, the, the money that He has blessed us with. For how does people get in financial financial trouble throughout their lives is because they're not seeking God and letting Him lead them in how they are to spend their money. Now, an interesting thing back in Hebrews 11, if we look at verse 15, we read verse 15 and it says, And truly, 
If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. Now, we read that verse, faith does not turn back. But we think about it where it talks about how Abraham, or at the time Abram, he was told to get away from his father's house, get away from his kindred, get away from his country, and go into a land that he would show him. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He was just following the leadership of the true and the living God. And by faith, Abraham followed him. Now, Throughout that journey, while he was sojourning in the promised land, Abraham was not mindful of the country that he had came from. He didn't even think about it. For it says here, and truly, if they had been mindful, in other words, thinking about where they came from, that from whence they came out of, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. So we got to think about it in in our life. If we're if we're mindful of the sinful life that we had lived before we came to the Lord or before we came back to the Lord, that if we're mindful of that s- sinful lifestyle that we were in, we might have opportunity to go back to that. For we need to put those things behind us and not even think about it and press forward for to, to the mark of the high calling of the true God. For in Philippians 3.13, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. In verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I forget those things that are behind and I press forward to the for the mark of the high calling, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So then we need to look at our lives. Are, are we are we forgetting those things that are behind us and pressing forward for that prize of that high calling of Christ? Is that what we're doing? If that's what we're doing, we are truly applying faith in our life. But if we're busy about looking back, then we're living a defeated life. If we're mindful of that lifestyle that we came from, then we're truly living a defeated life. Friends, we all need to not live a miserable life. We need to live a victorious life in Christ. But see, that is why we need faith. And I hope that this message has been a help to you. And I will be back with you next Tuesday. This is Joel Martin.